0: So I woke up this morning thinking about what am I gonna wear at church this morning? How many of you do that? Or some of you think about it the night before, like I gotta, what am I gonna wear tomorrow to church? Some of you, and maybe there are people that are listening by podcast right now that didn't even come to church this morning, not because of coronavirus, but because whatever they had ready to wear wasn't ironed or ready to go. I was no different. I woke up this morning, I thought, what should I wear this morning? And Honest to goodness, thought about throwing on a suit and being real prim and proper, like Chris Joseph from the Gideons, right? But I I put this on, and my daughter said to me, who's home from college, she said, Dad, that looks so comfy, that shirt you're wearing. I said, you know, it is comfy. And you know what I thought? I thought, I'm going to wear this this morning, because here's the thing. There's a lot of anxiety going on right now, a lot of fear, even. There's a lot of tension, Right? And so I want you to know that your pastor is in a real comfy mood. That I know that God's got this, that it's going to be okay. Someone texted me this weekend. Actually, a lot of people texted me this weekend. What's going on? How's things going? What's the church going to do? How's this going to affect this? And the dominoes start to fall and blah, blah, blah. And did you know this happened? And I told them, I said, listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Praise God. Things are changing week by week, honest to goodness, I jokingly said this at the beginning of the service, my, what a difference a week makes, literally last week we were talking about the time change, this week we're talking about a pandemic that has literally taken over the entire world and all the thinking, even Walmart is going to start closing at 11 o'clock at night, it's a pandemic folks, it's crazy. Things are changing week by week, even day by day, and the reality is it's changing, even in some cases, hour by hour. I want to let you know, as your pastor, we're going to do our very best to keep up with everything that's going on, both from the CDC, all the health organizations, our community leaders, our national office with the Christian Missionary Alliance, and everything in between, and we'll do our very best. So stay plugged in, stay connected through Facebook, through all the different social media, through emails, through phone calls. You can call the church. Uh, Sherry Jordan will be here 24-7 as long as it takes through this entire thing, answering phones. Good morning, Sherry. Can I help you? We're going to get through this. You know why? Because it's going to be okay. If you don't believe me, believe the comfy shirt. It's going to be okay. This week, speaking of comfy, I got to tell you, I don't know if Alice Beals is here this morning. There she is, wonderful Alice Beals. I don't mean to point you out in front of everybody. Alice is so amazing. She represents a large group of folks that meet in our church and have for many years called the teenagers, not teenagers. Trust me, you don't want to get those two groups mixed up, all right? Teenagers, those that are 55 or 60 and older, gather and meet in our church. But you know something? They haven't gathered and met for a while, and that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for two reasons, because this is a valuable, wonderful, amazing group of people that have so much to offer in way of wisdom and insight and direction, And it's painful when they don't get together and connect with each other. It's also painful because once a month they do a luncheon. And I used to get invited to it regularly. (laughs) We'll add in more laughter later in the podcast so people know that this was actually funny. They're looking for a director, a leader, someone, a champion to take and work with the teenagers. Does that mean you've got to be 50 or older or 60 or older? No, not necessarily. But they're looking for a champion that can rally them together and help coordinate and organize different events and different outings and different lunches, lunches and things like that. Trust me, it'll be a blessing to you to participate and be part of the teenagers ministry. And there's someone maybe sitting in here right now that has a heart for that age group. And if that's you, come find me afterward and say, Tim, I want to know what does it mean to be involved with the teenagers. Or you can connect with Alice as well because that is a valuable, amazing ministry. We want to make sure that we lift them up on our shoulders and minister and serve with them as they have ministered and served us over all the years. Amen? Amen. Trust me, because some of you sitting in here right now pretty soon will be in the teenagers category. All right, I'm 50 coming up here real soon. This year I'll be 50, so in about five more years I'll be part of that group. Looking forward to the luncheons already. So. Hey, not since 9-11, how many of you, and this is going to sound crazy, but honest to goodness, how many of you remember 9-11? How many of you know exactly where you were on 9-11? I was heartbroken many, many years ago. A good friend of mine, Pastor Shane Kreitz, who used to serve and minister over at Shawnee Alliance, who now has his own State Farm uh, branch now. But at any rate, he was interviewed by the Shawnee High School, uh, or Shawnee Middle School paper one year, years ago. And the person, the young student that was interviewing him as a professional in our community said, Pastor Shane, what is one of the most influential things that's happened in your life? And he said to this young person interviewing him from middle school, he said, I remember where I was on 9-11. I remember being at NIUK University and I could see the smoke coming from New York. And the young person said, what's 9-11? True story. He said, You know, when the world's out, and he went through it, they didn't even know what he was saying. How quickly we forget. Folks, it's going to be okay. Here's the thing unfortunately, it's going to be okay because sooner or later, this too shall pass. But not since 9 11 have I ever seen the world so fixated and obsessed with such amazing, determined, singular focus as we have right now. With this coronavirus. It makes sense though that everyone is so singularly focused. I mean you can't get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or flip on the TV. You can't even watch sporting events. They're not going to schools. We are in a shutdown mode. It is a singular focus that seems to be determined to grab our attention. And say whatever you're looking at stop it and look over here. But it makes sense because this coronavirus, this COVID-19, is now a pandemic. Pandemic. I mean, the word pandemic almost screams panic. Quick. Panic. Stop everything and panic. But the fact is this. Pandemic refers to how widespread something is. Not necessarily how deadly it is. Now hear me this morning, I'm not making light of what's happening in our culture, in our society. People are dying of this. People will continue to die for, for this until we get it figured out. I'm, I am glad that we're canceling school for three weeks. I know some of the parents are like, no, we're not, right? We do have to, what, they, what are they calling it, uh, drown out the curve or, or squash the curve. What is it? Flatten, flatten thank you, flatten the curve. I'm glad, I believe in that. Listen, I'm a believer in science. You know why? Because I know the author of science. His name is not any other name but Jesus Christ. I believe in science, so guess what? I am fully supportive of all the things that are happening right now around our globe. Listen, if our church was 1,200, 1,300 people, we probably would not be meeting this morning, to be quite honest with you. We're meeting this morning because I'm looking around a room and we have lots of space in between each other. I'm looking around a room of people that are probably 100 or so. We're well within those confines, and I want to make sure we're protected. So I believe in science, but make no mistake about it. Pandemic does not mean panic. Quick, jump off the bridge because there's no other choice. It just has to do with how widespread this thing is and that it is global. It is all over the world. Do you realize that from the time the first outbreak, the first uh, thing with case was discovered to now? I mean, it happened quick, didn't it? It spread fast. It has to do with how widespread it is, not how deadly it is. Let me me give it to you this way. New kids on the block. How many remember new kids on the block? That was a pandemic. They were all, oh, 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 the right stuff. That was all over the world. It was a pandemic, but they weren't deadly, right? Maybe for some they were, right? (laughs) I love Dave Ramsey. This is what he said. People don't make good decisions when they're drunk or panicked. I hope you're neither this morning. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know. We need to listen to the CDC and to our health professionals because we don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to stick our hands in the, sand, in the sand, head in the sand, and just say, hey, it's all good. Jesus is going to take care of us. Well, the way Jesus might be taking care of us is because we've got health professionals and people that he's gifted, and they're taking care of us, and we need to listen to those instructions. I have the opportunity to pray with people in hospitals Often. Even hospital beds and homes. I pray with people continuously that are wanting healing. And I often say to them, I'm gonna pray for healing in your life, but understand that the way God might be bringing healing in your life is through the doctors and the nurses, the surgeons. Those that are administering care to you are those that are being the hands and feet ambassadors of Jesus into your life. The medications, the therapy. God works through those things as much as He miraculously works and lays hands on people and they raise from the dead, right? Or they're completely and totally physically healed. So we need to listen. We need to be aware of what's happening in our culture in terms of the CDC and the health professionals. We don't want to be ignorant. But true ignorance is not ignoring science. That's not where real ignorance lies. If if you were saying, I'm completely ignoring science. That's not That's not the most ignorant thing you can do. The most ignorant thing you do, the true ignorance lies in ignoring the word of God. True ignorance lies in ignoring the word of God, church. While the rest of the world, the entire world, I mean, really, truly, you'd be hard pressed to find a place on the map that is not fixated on this. While the rest of the entire world is fixated, obsessed, and focused on the coronavirus, panicking, let us not get drunk on stupid. Let's not get drunk on stupid. Sounds like Dave Ramsey said that, but he did not I did, I'm telling you right now. I see a lot of people out there completely intoxicated on stupidity right now, running around, acting like, the world is quite literally ending and God is out of control and doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Don't buy into that, church. Let's not get drunk on stupid and drown ourselves with panic. Instead, let us remain sober-minded and focused on the giver of life and healing, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Let's, let's, stay, let's stay focused on that. Yes, let's be aware, let's not be ignorant to what our professionals are telling us, to what our, 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 our different CDCs and the health professionals, doctors are telling us. Yes, let's be aware of that, let's tune into that, let's line in with that. But let's not be ignorant of what the Word of God tells us. Like Peter who stepped out of the boat, let's not take our eyes and our focus off Jesus and focus on the howling winds and the crashing waves. And then we begin to sink and it overtakes us. No, instead, let's, all, let's be like Peter. Because Peter, although he began to sink, he took his eyes off Jesus. As soon as he did, he looked right back at Jesus. He readjusted his focus and he cried out to Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Because when we do, when we call out to Jesus, he will immediately reach down and rescue us. Immediately what the world needs to do is cry out to Jesus. And can I tell you something? I think we're experiencing that right now. The brakes are being put on. Pump the brakes. I'm going to tell you we God is getting everyone's attention. If you don't perceive it, you're not looking into the eyes of Jesus right now. You're not looking into the heart of Jesus. You're looking at the wind and the waves and the crashing storms. Take your eyes off of that and look at what Jesus is doing. I'm telling you right now as we speak, all over the world there are churches that are meeting that have never met before. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are churches all over the world doing live simulcast of their services right now. Churches that are trying it for the very first time. And they're probably reaching way more people on the internet than they would ever have reached inside their church. It breaks my heart this morning that we're not doing live simulcast right now. For the families that I've spoke with that have said to me, Tim, we have made a decision, and I support that decision, mind you, that we are not going to be at church the next two or three weeks. I totally support that decision. Because they're a family of young people or they're a family of older people, and they've just decided they, they've, they're self-quarantining themselves. It breaks my heart that we don't have the technology to do that. But I'll tell you something, this, this whole situation has stirred something up inside of me. I know it's stirring something up inside some of the elders. Perhaps maybe it's a good idea that we invest that money in that technology so that we can do those things. I got an email this morning from Matthew Klum, who's in the military, who's in Iraq right now, maybe heading towards Iran. We don't know. I don't know the situation. He emailed me this morning, like at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it was there. He said, Tim, does Cable Road Alliance Church have the capability... Of doing live simulcast yet. I said no buddy. I'm sorry we don't. He emailed me back. And he said that's a real bummer. Because believe it or not. The chaplains here are not. The most enthusiastic guys to listen to. (laughs) And he said besides. I'm starved and hungry for home. It breaks my heart. But let me tell you something. God is doing something through all of this. He's doing something from from this is going to birth so many amazing things. What if, and I'm getting off script, so forgive me a little bit, but what if our church had to for the next three or four months not gather in here? What if instead the government shut us down, put us in lockdown, this thing got a whole lot worse before it gets better, and it will get better, it's going to be okay. And I'm not just trying to passively tell you that. I believe that 100% with all my heart. As fast and hard as a pendulum swung that way, it's going to swing back the other way. God's in control. But what if we couldn't meet? What if we quite literally were not allowed to be in this building? I've said before, we, the church, is not a building, it's a people. So what if all of a sudden there were six or seven people meeting over at the Rosers on Sunday morning? At the same time, there were some meeting over at Dave Rufner's home. At the same time, there were some folks meeting at the Carlton house where Alice Beals goes and lives. Maybe there were some people over at Ray Barnes' house, Larry Vandemark's home, up in the balcony Nick and Natasha's home. What if all of a sudden Bridget and Brent Troyer, you see where I'm going with this? All of a sudden now we have hundreds of groups meeting all across our community. How wonderful would that be? It might be so wonderful that they say, "Tim, we love you, but we don't need you anymore, bro." And then I say, Lord, please, Jesus, bring us back together. (laughs) I hope not. What the world needs now is to cry out to Jesus. God is not passive in all of this, and he's about to answer our cries. I hope you're looking for the answer that Jesus is about to give. If you're hanging on every word that our government is saying and doing. If you're hanging on every other word that your friends on Facebook are saying and about to say. If you're sitting there on pins and needles on the edge of your seat waiting for what news is going to drop next. You're looking in the wrong place. You need to be on the edge of your seat for what God is about to do. Jubilation. He's about to show up and do something miraculous in our midst. And I hope you perceive it because if you don't, you will miss it. God's about to do, God is doing something amazing. The world needs is to crowd to Jesus. A.W. Tozer said it this way, right? A frightened world needs a fearless church. A frightened world needs a fearless church. A world that is in total panic mode needs a church that is calm, Amen. And comfy. Says it's going to be okay. Yeah, but you don't understand. Oh my goodness, you don't get it. No, I do get it. And I recognize the seriousness of it. Listen, I look around at the pews this morning and see a lot of empty spots. I recognize this keeps up and keeps up and keeps up. God, what are you doing? While the world is in panic, the church needs to be in their comfy clothes. We are the church, the church is not a building. I want you to open your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to pray for us even as you're flipping. Go ahead and keep flipping even as we're praying. Father God, right now, I pray that you overwhelm the people that are listening by podcast right now. I pray that you overwhelm the people that are in this room with us right now. Father God, I thank you so much for all the churches that are gathering in our community, not just here locally, but worldwide, praising and worshiping you this morning, either by some sort of live telecast, some Facebook live, some video thing they're doing, or they're meeting live in-house like we're doing right now, Lord. I thank you, you're doing something amazing right here, right now, in our midst, and I cannot wait to hear your answer for what's going on in our culture and in our world today. We worship you, Jesus. We are putting fact over fear. And the fact is you love us. The fact is you are in control. The fact is you are God seated high on your throne. And as high on your throne as you are, you also dwell richly within each one of us that call you Lord and Savior. You are not some God that is just high above it all, lofty, way up there, completely disconnected, passive, and disconnected from what's going on. You are right here in the moment in our hearts, richly dwelling and working. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Listen, I wrote in my notes, whoever's supposed to hear this verse, I wish you would hear it because I'm sick of reading it. I feel like I've read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 several times over the last 9, 10 weeks. You know what that tells me usually when that happens? God's trying to tell me something. But I believe he's also trying to tell somebody in here something. Lord, why do you keep taking me back to this passage? Some of you might say, man, you are a one-trick pony. You're a one-hit wonder, Tim. You seem to say the same thing over and over and over. Well, church, maybe if we get it and put it in our thick skulls, And start living it. Maybe we can move on to what's next. Yeah. Philippians chapter 4 says this. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice always. I love this. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Yeah. Right now you're being very gentle. Get you at Walmart when they're about running out of milk. And we ain't going to be so gentle. I literally... How many of you went shopping this weekend? Shelves completely empty. Walmart, Sam's Club, Myers, everywhere. I don't care where you went. It was like, what's going on? Have cows stopped being milked? There's no water anywhere. Have we stopped making water? I mean, what is going on? Toilet paper. Okay, I get it. Everybody's going on a big mad run for toilet paper. Don't we have toilet paper factories in this world? Can we get it going back? Listen... Let your gentleness be evident to all. I challenge you this morning. You grab the last roll of toilet paper and somebody else is like, oh, oh, oh." just go. Here you go. Are you kidding me? Sure. What? My wife, no joke. My wife went to real estate because ironically, this has nothing to do with the pandemic and has everything to do that. I have three women in the house. We didn't have toilet paper. My college daughter is home from school. We thought for a week, but now they're like, might be through the end of April. I'm like, great, thanks, Huntington. Now i got to feed this girl, all right, and keep toilet paper in house. So my wife said, well, you know, it has nothing to do with the pandemic, but we need toilet paper. So she goes to Ruler. They had plenty of toilet paper, all right, praise the Lord, but they did have a limit of two. So me being the guy that I am, I was like, well, did you get two? She goes, no, I just got one because that's all we needed right now. I don't practice what I preach all the time, folks. I was like, are you serious? There's a pandemic. We're going to (laughs) die. She did. She said, no, I just got one. It's like, man, doggone it. Why you got to let your gentleness be known to all? (laughs) The Lord is near. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. You you don't understand, this is worldwide, this is big stuff. People are dying, people could die. We don't know what's going to happen. Church may have to stop meeting. I mean, things could get ugly, Tim. I know. That's a fact. But the fact is also, the Word of God says not to be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God. Don't just go to God and pray, and when you pray to God, say, well, God, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, but I'm going to pray about it. No, it says with thanksgiving in your heart. An attitude of gratitude, thankfulness, gratefulness. Go to him and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on in this world. I don't know if there's going to be milk or bread or eggs or or Oreo cookies. I don't know what is going to happen in this world, but I give you thanks, God. I'm laying my petition before you, my thanksgiving before you. I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be okay because you are with us. Because you're with us. And it's with a grateful heart that I thank you, Lord. Goes on to say, verse 7. When we do these things, when we rejoice again, always, when we rejoice again, I say, when you let your gentleness be evident to all, when you recognize that the Lord is near, when you lay your request down before Jesus Christ, you're not anxious for things, that you pray to him, that you lay your petitions down before him, when you are grateful in with him. When we do these things, here's the payoff. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding. And he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think about such things. Think about such things. I say it again. Think about such things. He talks about prayer and he talks about thinking. He talks about the spirituality and he thinks he talks about the practicality of it all. Did you get that? He's talking about prayer, the spirituality, going to him, going before the throne, laying all your burdens down to him. And then he says, "And also, I've given you intellect. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't check your brain at the door. You don't check common sense at the door." You don't check science at the door. You tune into those things. You fine-tune better than anyone else in the world can that doesn't know Jesus Christ. It says, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me... Put into practice. There's action behind what he's asking you to do. This is not just a passive thing. We go to him, pray, lay our request there, and then sit and wait. No, we lay our request before God, and then we get up and we put into practice what God has shown us, what he's taught us, what we've seen in him and read in the word of God, what we've seen in the faithful that have gone on before us, that are living right before our eyes, faith-filled people in Jesus Christ, like our teenagers, like so many people around you, put into practice. And again, here's another payoff. When you do that, and the God of peace will be with you. Man, that's a good word right there. Somebody needs to hear that because I preach this almost exact word over and over again. Here I am again preaching it again. And that's not, I'm not coming down on anybody. Listen, it's beautiful. It's redundancy that, that gets a hold of you and says, you know what? Maybe there's something to all of this laying my anxieties down before him. And when I lay my anxieties down before him and I've prayed about it, maybe there's something to the things that I'm thinking about. Maybe I ought to think differently. So if I do that and I do that, 2 plus 2 equals 4, wow. All of a sudden I do feel the peace of God residing in me and overwhelming me and deep within my heart. Hey, that Tim guy knows what he's talking about. The word of God is true. It is fact. It is fact. Well, since the governor ordered that we're not having any schools for the next three weeks. Since he has an order that we're not gathering in groups of 100 or more in big public areas. Since Walmart has ordered the fact that they're now going to be closing at 11 o'clock at night and reopening at 6. So they can have time to stock and do the things they're doing. Since places like Sam's Club are limiting the number of cases of water that you can get. They're limiting toilet paper. I came up with a few things I decided I was going to order in my home as the governor of my house. My daughters aren't here neither is my wife. They're getting ready for that funeral dinner for Shonda after a bit. But I thought I'd lay down some orders of my own. Here we go. You ready? Number one, chicken pot pie whenever I want it. No, I'm just kidding. But I did do this. I said, girls, I want you to do this. This was Friday morning. I said, girls, no news media this whole weekend. No Fox News, and I love Fox News. No CNN, no, no news media at all. Just turn off the t- It's a choice. Let's think about something different. Trust me, the coronavirus will be here Monday morning when we kind of plug back in and say, what's going on in the world? It'll stay. If it's not, I'll be like, praise the Lord. Saved me a whole lot of headache, right? How about you do the same thing? How about you unplug? I even said this, girls, we're going to limit Facebook. I love Facebook. I'm on it. But I'm not going to sit obsessively focused, singularly focused on scrolling through my news feed, just seeing who's doing what, what's happening. You know, I'm I, just, girls, here's a mandate from Governor Tim, I said to my family in the state of the Lewis. No news media. We're going to put them in Quarantine. I said that. I said, let's put the news media, social media, all these things. Let's put them on quarantine for a while. And you know, I'm thinking, let's do it through the weekend. And after Sunday night, we'll reassess and maybe it'll be for another week. You know what? Maybe we'll do it for a couple weeks. We'll see what happens. Is the world going to fall apart because I don't watch 24 hours of news? Nope, not going to happen. Our focus needs to be Intentional. When he says think about such things, think about things that are praiseworthy and excellent, whatever's noble, whatever's true, think about these things. It has to be intentional. You've got to be intentional about not scrolling through your phone. I don't have my phone on Sunday mornings. I don't have it. For whatever reason, I happened to have it in my pocket this morning. And I was sitting right there. And I went, my phone's still in my pocket. That's weird. I never take my phone on Sunday mornings. Usually in my office or something, so I pulled it out and I put it back over here. I'm being intentional about it. I could have went, well, it's not. Hey, I forgot, so it's okay this one time. No, it's not okay this one time. I'm trying to be intentional about something. You got to be intentional about some things in your life. Worry, stress, strife, panic—it's not productive. It's not productive. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that worry is a failure to trust God. Worry is a failure to trust God. Somebody in your life is saying, I got this. Is it you or God? Is God saying to you, I got this, or are you saying to God, I got this? Somebody in your life is saying, I got this. It's a choice. Are you saying it? Or is God saying it? I submit to you this morning that if you're saying it, stop saying it. It's okay to say, I don't got this. I don't have a clue. What are we going to do? I don't know. But I do, I know who does. Someone texted me this morning. I couldn't believe it. Are we having church the next month? The, most of them were like, are we having church tomorrow? This person's already assumed. Are we having church? I said, I don't know. We're having church tomorrow morning, I know, or this morning, I know that. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I, I don't have this. I ain't got it. I don't know. Someone in your life is saying, I got this. Is it you or God? I want to suggest to you, let it be God. Because if you're sitting and walking around going, I got this. Oh, I got this. That's arrogance. It's going to stir up strife and stress in your life. And eventually, when you recognize you ain't got this, you're going to start to panic. You know, the word worry comes from an old English term meaning strangle or choke. Found that out this week. Listening to a Greg Laurie devotional, and he was talking about worry. It was an old devotional too. It just so happened to be he was talking about worry. I was like, hey, this is good. And he said in his California kind of really cool hipster attitude, he said, you know, worry comes from the old English word meaning strangle or choke. I was like, hey, that's pretty good, I like that. Because you know what, that's exactly what worry will do to you. It'll strangle you, it'll choke you, it'll cripple you. And it'll leave you, and these are my words, it'll leave you feeling claustrophobic and weak. Some people have a serious bout of claustrophobia. There are some people that they get in a space or a room or even in a ginormous big room like this, if there's too many people around, they start to feel claustrophobic. Claustrophobic. And it starts to just, they start to sweat. I mean, they have a real physical response. You know, worry can do the same thing to you. Here's the thing. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. The more you worry doesn't make tomorrow empty out of all of its sorrows. What it does is it empties out today's strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. So you've got to be intentional about what you're focusing on, fact or fears. We need to turn. We need to choose to take our worries, our fears, and our anxieties. We need to choose to turn those into prayers. This requires our conditional reflex. You all know what conditional reflex is? It's like when the doctor takes one of those things and does this on your knee, checks your reflex, and you can't help it. They hit it just the right way, and your knee goes like this or whatever. It's like a dog. You go up and you scratch, and the dog can't help but to go like that. You know, It's called a conditional reflex. It's like when you go to touch something hot, a burner, no matter, ooh, wow, ooh, that's hot. You pull back. If you're smart enough, you do. <laughs> Some of you are like, whoa, that's hot. Wow, that is really burning my hand right now. You smell that flesh? That is killing me right now. No, conditional reflex makes you go, ooh, that's hot. Conditional reflex is when you get near electricity and you get a little too close and it zaps, you're going to respond. Conditional reflex is when you're leaning back in your chair and you've all done this. You're leaning back and you're leaning back and you lean back too far and you're like, whoa, and you catch yourself. Sometimes conditional reflex doesn't work too good and you completely fall over. We've got to have a conditional reflex when it comes to things that are happening like things that are happening right now in our lives. We've got to condition ourselves to first go to Jesus Christ. It's got to be something that becomes natural. It's a response. It almost becomes involuntary because we've done it over and over and over again. We've got to learn to say this phrase, to God be the glory. I don't know, but to God be the glory. Or amen. Whatever your phrase is that comes from your heart and comes out. My grandmother used to say, Lordy, 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 Lordy. How many of your grandmothers used to say that? Probably still say that. Lordy, 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 Lordy. She'd read the paper, see something. I'd do something. She'd shake her head and be, oh, Lordy, 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 Lordy. Kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen with you when you grow up, but Lord have mercy, Lordy, Lordy. You see what I'm saying? Here's the thing, and we're going to close with this. President Trump has declared today a National Day of Prayer. I think it's coming up in May, if I'm not mistaken. Forgive me. Maybe it's next month. I can't remember. But there's actual National Day of Prayer that we will be participating in at the the UNOH Event Center. It's going to be a wonderful event. It happens every year. But today, he's declared a National Day of Prayer. So we're going to do just that this morning. We're going to close in a word of prayer. As the band comes, I want to read for you 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, many of you know this verse. We're going to read this. I want you to prepare your hearts right now, even as the band comes. I want you to prepare your hearts right now that we are going to encourage you to come to the altar and pray. If Jesus can lay hands on lepers and pray for them, we can lay hands on people that might be contagious in some way and pray for them. Now, I'm not doing this against the orders of doctors and whatnot. We have plenty of hand sanitizer. We're believing and trusting that as soon as people are done, they're going to wash their hands. But we're going to close it all in prayer. If you need prayer this morning, I want you to come forward at the altar and be prayed for by our elders and by you. If you just want to pray quietly by yourself, you can up here or in the pews. But we're going to close in prayer because I think we need to direct our focus and our attention on that this morning. Even as President Trump has declared today National Day of Prayer. So 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse, I'm going to start in 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon the king. He appeared to him at night. Late at night, the Lord appeared to Solomon. And he said to him, he said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place as my temple for sacrifices. I believe God is saying that to us now. I've heard your prayer, and I've chose this place. I've chose this place, your heart, to be my temple to where I will receive sacrifices. And you know this verse all so well. Verse 14. If my people who are called out by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive them of their sin And will heal their land. Folks, our world needs that right now. Verse 15: Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to your prayers offered in this place. In this place. Folks, the church is not a building, it's a people. The temple is not a building, it's a people. When he says, in this place, he's talking about in this sacred area, this sacred place, this holy ground that I believe these stairs are, this area is, these pews are. But even more holy and sacred than this sanctuary is this sanctuary. As comfy as it is, it's a sanctuary and holy place, and God resides there. But we need to call out to him, amen? That's a fact. Let me pray for us as you come. So, Father God, this morning I pray that you would bless us. But I pray that we would each one receive the blessing that's found in Romans chapter 15. When Paul t- says to the church there, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come reside in this place, in these walls of this sanctuary. But Lord, more important than that, more overwhelming and magnificent than that is that you come and fill the places in our hearts. Right here, right now. For those that are in this room, for those that are listening later on podcast, Father God, fill our hearts with more of you in the Holy Spirit. We love you, we worship you, and we adore you. We lay our requests and petitions down before you right now. God, we don't know what is going on in our world right now with this pandemic that has quite literally swept over the entire globe. We don't know where it's going. We don't know how it's going to have long-term effect on education, on the health, on the finances. Or even on the church itself. But Father God, I do know this. You are in control. And you love us. And you got this. So we rest in you. In Jesus name. Amen.